He's Jonathan. He's Timothy. And this is Project 1517. Scripture, theology, life. Well, Timothy, this this is super abrupt. I mean, this is super abrupt. And I'm and I'm not just I am talking about Jonah 1 verse 1, but I'm also talking about the release of this podcast. It's super abrupt. I mean, for Jude, we actually seem to have some sort of plan. We announced it. We had this introductory thing. We had some kind of media presence. But all of a sudden, we abruptly are dropping into Jonah 1 verse 1. What gives with that? Well, yeah, right. I mean, this is, it's time for Jonah. And I mean, in some ways it is abrupt. You're right. But we've been noticing that there's a lot of people listening and people are hungry for God's word. So we want to bring this podcast and um, we're excited to do that. And we wanted to get something out for the Reformation, right? Our whole name is Project 1517. So why not release, or at least start releasing Jonah on October 31st? You know, I don't feel too badly about this whole thing that it's so abrupt because Jonah's abrupt. And the way, we'll talk more about that in a second, but the way that Jonah just drops uh, into our lives, the word of the Lord just drops here into Jonah's life, and uh, somebody's going to be out there taking this in on a commute, uh, a ride into work, a ride home from work, uh, or on a subway somewhere in New York City. And man, wherever this word from God meets you in your life, I promise, I promise, I promise it's going to be powerful, powerful, powerful. I am so excited to tackle Joe. Oh, so am I. We are about to get swallowed up and vomited out on the land. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And so it starts. Jonah 1, verse 1. What's starting? (laughs) Well, that's kind of the thing, right? You You just drop right into the book of Jonah, which is exactly what we did. We said nothing else in this podcast. We just dropped you in right into Jonah 1, verse 1, which is exactly how the book of Jonah starts. Isn't that interesting? There's no there's no real beginning to the book at all or to this podcast. We're just you just talk- dropped right in. We're already talking about the Word of God, which is what people want and what we really need, I think. <laughs> <laughs> there's no introduction, no fun thing, no like... Uh, here's what happened uh, to establish why we should listen to this guy named Jonah, son of Amittai. We are just dropped right in to Jonah 1 verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, which begs a huge question. Why in the world should we listen to this guy? Why is he a prophetic voice? Why should we care at all? Well, right, right. Because normally when you get this kind of Hebrew phraseology, like, and the word of the Lord came to, that's what we have here in the Hebrew, via he, devar, Adonai. We already know the prophet, you know, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. We know them. Wow, we trust them. We want to know 
what they have to say but this is this is strange like i want to say that dear narrator who is jonah and how do we know about him <laughs> and by the way you listeners are like well well we know jonah because he was swallowed by a whale and you have to remember that hasn't happened yet you know that yeah. that is that has not happened yet you're getting dropped into a different story that's not here yet and so we have to ask the question like why does why does this narrator think that uh, we know Jonah? And the answer is is because he's an incredibly powerful prophet that everybody already knew. In fact, Jonah's the guy who rolls us back all the way to the golden age of of the kingdom of the kingdom of God, all the way back to King Solomon. In fact, Jeroboam the second, and I'm just going to read to our listeners from Second Kings chapter 14. I think it's kind of little known history, but a lot of uh, historians will say this is really the Silver Age of Israel, because uh, Jonah prophesies that that God is going to use Jeroboam the second to release people uh, from Syria, uh, from Damascus, who had been oppressing them. So here's what it says. In the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. So this is a long, this is a long reign. Typically, when you have a reign of 40 years, we're talking about uh, a time when God really did something powerful, and he did. It's Now, what's interesting about it is this. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He was the one who, now here's the, here's the key historical thing here, what God was up to. He was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Hamath to the Dead Sea. So you got, here's the Silver Age of Israel, uh, Israel is reclaiming territory. And here's the key part. This is 2 Kings 14, verse 25. In accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant, Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath, Heifer. Boom. There he is. <laughs> there he is. Jonah. So he's a powerful prophet. He's wealthy. Like later, we're gonna see in this book, he actually buys a whole boat to flee from the from the Lord. That's kind of hilarious. He charters it, man. He charters <laughs> <Yeah>. the yacht. <laughs> he's powerful. He's rich. He's an insider. Um, he 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 runs with the rich and the powerful in Israel. I mean, this is this is an amazing guy. And and, and now culturally nationalistic. Exactly. Yeah. This is, this is, oh man, you just put your finger on something. Nationalism. <laughs> that's right. That's uh -oh. right. Uh oh. <laughs> He's all about Israel. You know, he, he was having fun. Like I'll bet he loved preaching that. Who doesn't love to preach like, oh man, God is something up to something glorious for you people. It's going to be huge. He's rolling back series, rolling back Damascus. This is awesome. Silver age. He loves your country more than any other country and other, any other people. That's right. It's in Jonah to do that. Yeah. So we're jumping right in. And it happened that the word of the Lord came to Jonah's son 
of a mid-tie. Now, <laughs> I, well, you know, I, I want to say this, Jonathan, and I'm going to rant a little bit. I, we, we're starting this story of Jonah um, from the very beginning. We're actually, we're coming in in the middle of the story. And, and I just want to say this. Whatever you think you know about Jonah, just forget it right now. And because when I started this journey a couple months ago, I started studying this book again. I got to admit to you that the book of Jonah was kind of ruined for me. It was, I had been taught Sunday school lessons about it. Uh, I had heard all kinds of mission festivals as if Jonah is about mission. It, it is a little bit, but I don't think that's the primary thing on the book of Jonah. Um, I even, you know, Jonah themes even showed up in Kesha's new video. Like this is, Jonah is literally everywhere in pop culture if you're paying attention because the whale's always swimming through, you know, the whale. And people are connecting Jonah up to all kinds of weird things. And, um, but they're doing so without any really real kind of knowledge about who Jonah is and what, what Jonah's got to say. So we, we got to just start over again and understand this prophet Jonah and, and what the Lord's message is to us through him. Well, right. It, and just we can just say this, like the whale's not even really the thing. I, I mean, that's the big problem right there. Every, we all think we associate Jonah with the whale and the whale hardly even shows up. Well, you know how many <laughs> Jonah? Yeah, it's like Jonah and the whale. Um Mickey David and Goliath, Minnie Mouse, you know. It, yeah, it's, they come as a pair. But j- the whale's not even the thing in the book. Like you said, the whale, which we'll have to talk about, this probably isn't a whale. <laughs> and at least it's a do- it's a dog in, in Hebrew. Um, and he only the 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 dog or the fish only shows up in three verses. You know, so <laughs> yeah, right. But you're right. You, I think you put your finger on something that's really important for us culturally is that Jonah's so much a part of us that we don't even realize it. Like, I mean, it, it even Jonah even shows up in, in Moby Dick in Herman Melville, you know, is writing about about Jonah. And is these are powerful, powerful cultural influences. And to the extent that we don't even recognize them, like they're a part part of the fabric of how we think. And we don't even know we're thinking it half the time. Yeah. I, you know what Herman Melville says about this book? This is this is huge. This is huge. Just to because it reinforces our point. We gotta we need to know Jonah all brand new again. Here's what here Herman Melville said about him. Yet what depths of the soul does Jonah's deep sea line sound? Hmm. Does that it get you excited to go into the book of Jonah, you know, and to start over again and set aside whatever you learned in Sunday school? Well, he, you know, it, it's fantastic literature. It like, like Herman Melville says, it, it's like dropping a line all the way to the bottom of your heart. I mean, in the same way, if we can borrow, you know, what, what Jonah is doing here, and really what Christ did is it goes all the way to the bottom of your soul and you get vomited up the other side new. <laughs> yeah. It's it's powerful, powerful stuff. It's not just real narrative history, but 
uh, it's something that impacts us profoundly. And, you know, one thing, I, I, I maybe we can just say this and, and we can comment on it some more, but just take his very name, Jonah. Like, just take his very name, Jonah. First of all, I'm not sure it's the name that I would want, you know. Why not? Because <laughs> Jonah means dove. His name means dove. Now, you're saying that, though, dove, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. Like the way oftentimes we'll use the animal spirit dove to represent peace, right? Or the Holy Spirit. Or the yeah. Holy, or like as opposed to a hawk, which wants war. But... Uh, why are you saying that it's bad to be called dove? Well, you know, the thing the thing about Jonah is he shows up with other prophets, right? He's he's one of the minor prophets during this time. You also have you also have Amos, uh, you also have Hosea. And uh Hosea actually uses, he's preaching at the same time, the the image of a dove to represent flightiness or unfaithfulness so you're always wavering so like Ephraim which was another name for Israel like the northern tribe they're always looking outside for help and whoever was the greatest superpower of the day you know <laughs> we'll get be we'll 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 ask for help from that horse you know we'll get backed by them and so being called dove in this time would have been you know, a pretty big insult. Like, hey, you're just you're just floating on the breezes, man. Senseless. That's what the prophet says, right? Senseless. Yeah, senseless. Yeah, you're Ignorant. senseless. Yeah, we just you're just moving around. You don't even know where to find strength, which is in the Lord, right? So, even at that, like right away, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. So the way, which is the word of the Lord is the power, right? But it comes to Jonah. <laughs> who's you might say a flight risk right he's flighty <laughs> he's oh man did you come up with that on your own <laughs> no well i was just talking it out right i was just talking about he's a flight risk That's hilarious. He's, he's a dove man and so you blow on this guy uh, with a breeze and he's gone and wonder of wonders <laughs> yeah well it's not he's not just called jonah but he's called the son of amittai and you know, we, we <laughs> so much irony there. So much like, irony. The English translations often transliterate that, um, you know, and that that's okay to do, I guess. But but really, um, that could also be kind of a, either a double entendre or um, a straight up reference to um, a characteristic of uh, of him. He's called a son of faithfulness. And the Bible will use that kind of that kind of terminology, like some people are called sons of iniquity, you know, sons of iniquity, you know, which means they're wicked, awful sinners. Or um, uh, what's another one, Jonathan? Sometimes they're called a son of valor, you know, and that's maybe they're like Robin Hood or something like that. Jonah's called a son of faithfulness. And, and so then, ironic. The son of a mid-eye. <laughs> so, so ironic. 
you know, it just uh, Christians have thought a lot about this, a lot about this. And in fact, back in uh, one of the church fathers, his name was was Jerome, and um, he talks about how some people thought that Jonah, based on this naming, so he's called the son of Amittai, that they contend that this prophet was a son of the widow at Zarephath near Sidon who fed Elijah in the famine. So remember Elijah. Yeah. So Elijah uh, promises, as from the word of the Lord, uh, that she's going to have a son, and some people think this is Jonah. Now, we know historically that that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because Christ tells us that uh, this woman was a Gentile. And we know that Jonah wasn't a Gentile. Jonah was a Jew. But my point is that this name of Jonah is something that makes everybody think, and it's supposed to. And I think the first thing we have to think of is how ironic it is. It's just ironic, ironic, ironic. It might even be satire, where you read that and you go, son of faithfulness, this guy was a disaster. (laughs) This guy was an absolute shipwreck. You know? Oh, there you go again! With the- <laughs> Come on, you got to You got to stay in the word. You got to stay in the word group. He's and, a flight risk, and he's a shipwreck. Oh man, he, you're on fire yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So he's he's the son. He's the son of a mitai, and we have to laugh about that a little bit. And you know, look the. This is irony that's supposed to get into our souls. That's that's the point of irony. Like to the word of the Lord comes to to spiritual doves. That's why we need the dove, right? That's why we need the word of the Lord because without it we're senseless. We're flight risks. We're <laughs> yeah. We're we're shipwrecks. And, some, and yeah. So you got this guy who, and of course he he should have been, he shouldn't have been a dove, and he and he should have been faithful. He which of which he was neither, um, and and we're gonna find that out. But hey, you know we we started we started what we're doing here, uh, working through the Bible with Amos. We did Jude. Uh, we started off when we did Amos, and we said we want to restore the roar. In other words. We don't want to be a dove. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't want to be. A, I don't want to be a dove. I don't want to be a flight risk. I, I don't want to blow in the wind. And um, that's what Jonah's for—to poke at those parts of our hearts that are so flighty, that are so uncertain. And 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 you know we've already sort of been uncovering already in verse one. I mean, literally, we've only gotten. We haven't even finished verse one yet. But what we're doing is the way that we're talking about the way that the spirit is going to poke us and prod us. And he's going to do it. Um, like one, one of the philosophers said in a way that kind of stabs you from behind in, a, in an unwitting way. Because we're going to see that we're so much like Jonah and and we're, he's going to satire us. He's going to show us the irony of that, um, and kind of uh, be able to wound us 
um, not from the front because that's where we protect ourselves, but from the back, you know, from the back. He sneaks up on you. It was Kierkegaard who said that, I think. That's how satire and irony works. Stabs you in the back. Yeah, so in Kierkegaard. And that's what it does. Like, And it's it's so God does his work in our souls with our defenses down, so to speak. And he he comes to us through this through this prophet who was very historical and very real in this what we're gonna see in Jonah, and we're beginning to see this already now, is that it's it's not only real history, but it is a fantastic literary piece of art. Amen. You can't even you can't even get out of verse one without realizing something incredibly profound is coming from this work here of Jonah. Well, I just want to say this too. I Just to broaden our perspective, because we've been so focused in on the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amidai, or son of faithfulness. Just to see where that verse shows up in the Bible is amazing. Like the those who put together the canon, you know, and, and where is this book going to be placed? They knew that this was prophetic literature, but it's very special prophetic literature. Like Obadiah and Amos and all the other prophets, they just come really, they just come right at you and they record sermons and stuff like that. But within the minor prophets, the only book, the only book that is a narrative is Jonah. I mean, Jonah really belongs with Esther. It really belongs with Ruth. But the shapers of the canon knew that Jonah had a prophetic word that's going to catch you from the backside. And so they put him in the canon with the minor prophets. It's just an amazing book. And I think um, Christians, people of God, have recognized that um, for a long, long time now. It's prophetic through a narrative shape, which is really, really special. The sermon is the narrative. Yeah. In fact, the, there, Jonah only speaks up twice in the whole book prophetically <laughs> and i can't <laughs> for yeah. like one yeah. sentence you know i can't wait to get into that that's yeah. gonna be hilarious when we do that <laughs> but really the the so like it's not among the minor prophets because of the breadth of his preaching the whole narrative is a prophetic statement that's what i'm trying to say What are you hoping, I mean, just to back out here for a second, this is our first uh, podcast on on this book of the Bible. What do you hope to get out of this? Well, Jonah's really, really special. There's a few things. One thing is I want to show that Jonah is about mission, but it's also not about mission. Because frankly, I'm a little bit tired of him showing up at mission festivals. It... We, I, I, and I, look, I've preached on Jonah at mission festivals. I have, so I'm guilty of this. But this, this book is not primarily about mission. I, I, the second thing is I want to see Christ because the sign of Jonah is huge in the New Testament. Huge, huge. In fact, Jesus is, Jonah is the only prophet. This is, this is terribly ironic. The most disobedient prophet in the Bible, Jesus compares himself only with him in the sign of Jonah. 
And so I want to see Christ. Right. It's not the sign of Isaiah. Yeah. You know, it's not that. It's want, only the sign of Jonah. I want to I want to see Christ. And then and then finally, and this this is a stunning thing. Um I want to talk about anger. Cuz this is this is where Jonah goes in chapter 4 and we we'll we need to show people Jonathan how this book really culminates in chapter 4. But this book is really about anger and um a lot of and how to deal with it and why it comes and all those types of things. You know, I think of the movie Inside Out. Great movie to talk about emotions. The wife is sad. Sad is at the control board. But the husband is the anger is at the control board. A lot. I think what Pixar is trying to say, it's Pixar, right, that made that movie, yeah. is that men generally are angry people. And, it, and, and sometimes it shows up just with passive aggressive frustration but really that's another name for that is anger and um jonah's a very angry person that's what we're going to see we don't see that right away but what i want to see in the book of jonah um and it I, I i can i can say this for myself it's been incredibly powerful for me um to see how god heals that well even i mean let's just talk about depression and without uh, not discounting at all the fact that there can be chemical things going on in a person's mind there is an emotional aspect to it and, and a spiritual aspect to it too you got a guy here in in Jonah chapter 1 who's incredibly depressed i mean to the point that the guy won't pray and we're going to see that um <laughs> and uh, he, he's running away. And what a lot of people say about depression is it's anger turned inward. It's anger turned in at yourself. Um, it, it's more like a low simmer about your life um, to the point that you're just sad. So uh, e even there, you can see that. And so, like you say, this is a powerful, powerful book to see Christ in that and to see how you can, to borrow the 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 imagery of Jonah to get vomited out the other side of that. You know? <laughs> it's powerful. Oh man, it's powerful. so much I want to say about this book. So so me too. I mean, when when I think about it, I I want to come out the other side of this by the power of this word that's coming to Jonah uh, as not a dove, as somebody who is more faithful as somebody who holds his Christ tighter and has found a way uh, that the Spirit shows us to deal with those times of, hey, I am not satisfied with my life, and I want to flee from it. That's it. Anybody else want to come along for the ride? We are podcasting scripture one book of the Bible at a time. For more information, visit www project1517.com or our Facebook page. We do invite you to support this ministry by sharing this podcast with family and friends and by giving us a good review on iTunes. You can also help with the costs of its production by giving a gift on our website. This is Project 1517. Scripture. Theology. Life. <laughs>